everyone, my name is Carrie Witcher, and you too can be a Marketplace Multiplier because Marketplace Multipliers equip all Christians to influence their workplace and integrate their faith by making disciples and unleashing the kingdom of God wherever they are. Welcome to episode two of the Marketplace Multipliers podcast, where we are highlighting a growing movement of God that is gaining momentum across the country and around the world. I'm Jeff Clark and I'm the Associate Head Basketball Coach at Indiana Wesleyan University. In this episode, you'll hear Wayne Schmidt, General Superintendent of the Wesleyan Church, talk about excellence being a form of witness in the workplace. Then, Dave Drury will interview Carrie Witcher, a Vice President of a healthcare provider that serves 1.5 million people across upstate New York about her journey as a marketplace multiplier. In our third segment, Carrie's pastor, Ken Nash, will join to share the passion he has found in unleashing all of his leg into God's purposes for their life. We're joined again by Wayne Schmidt, the General Superintendent of the Wesleyan Church. And Wayne, uh, this morning we have Carrie Witcher on. She's a, a Vice President of Healthcare Improvement and someone that you know very well. Absolutely. I couldn't be more excited about the opportunity to learn from her. She is indeed a marketplace multiplier and uh, very involved in her local church, Watermark Church, and her pastor, Pastor Ken Nash is an amazing equipper and an encourager of our Marketplace Multiplier movement. So very excited about learning from Carrie today. And we're going to get to hear from Ken in part three of of this conversation. But let's go back to Carrie because she's been a big part of the broader movement of Marketplace Multipliers. Huge. We have a strategy team. It consists of Marketplace Multipliers coming from various domains. And uh, she is the uh, leader of that strategy team. And she uh, has this wonderful ability to draw out the best in people and keep nudging us towards excellence, even on the ground floor. Yeah, you talked in episode one about uh, how being excellent can be a part of our witness. And, And as I listen to Carrie's interview, I hear time and time again, quality, improvement, responsibility. So her faith isn't just uh, her attitude, but it also raises the level of her performance. How, how does faith in Christ do this for people in the marketplace? Yeah, and part of it is, Jeff, she does it so winsomely. So some people that are trying to raise the level of excellence, you almost feel like you're always being evaluated. But she is so relational and so inspirational in who she is that she keeps nudging up the level of excellence. And I really do believe when others see people offering their best, that it is a form of witness. It brings credibility to that person's testimony. It's part of the reason why uh, this interview is going to be so valuable for people in any context, not just in healthcare, but but any any context they find themselves in. I think we can all learn from Carrie. Any final words for what listeners should be paying attention to as they as they tune into Carrie? Yeah, one of the things I love, and this comes back to early conversations with Carrie, is her corporation has a particular set of values, and she figured out how to connect spiritual principles to those corporate values so that the values themselves, which are publicly championed throughout the company, can be kind of openers for spiritual conversations with people. It's amazing to see how she utilizes what is known to connect with maybe what is yet to be known. And she does it with such humility and energy. And and we're going to hear that now as Dave Drury interviews Carrie Witchell. Tell us a little bit about yourself 
and your context and your your work. Yeah. So uh, I am really um, driven to leadership in a variety of ways. Um, I, I think it started when I was very young, as I have had the life experience of being raised with a younger sister with special needs. And uh, going through that life experience, little did I know that it was preparing me for really who I am and what I do today. I reflect back on my life experience and thinking about the importance of my sister's inclusion to thinking about her health and all that we did to make sure that she received the care that she needed, which truly inspired me to, to do what I do today, uh, which is basically leading a team of uh, clinicians, analysts, project managers, um, health advocates to work with our patients to empower them uh, to improve their health. Um, it's really afforded me an opportunity to um, impact healthcare across upstate New York. Talk to me about um, your faith. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when did you begin to follow Christ? When did you start taking that seriously? And when did that mm -hmm. start to begin to be integrated into your uh, work life? Mm -hmm. So as I think about uh, my journey, uh, of which I was raised in the Christian faith, I witnessed leadership and faith, again, at a very young age, as you know, my parents were teachers of Sunday school, um, as well as my, uh, and my dad was, was a warden in the Episcopal Church. Uh, when I was nine years old, um, I'm really surprised I did that, thinking back. Uh, I think it was kind of on a whim that I did this, but I ended up, um, and I remember the counselor, um, Christine, who poured into me while I was there and um, accepted Jesus into my heart. And so when I think back, being nine years old and having that experience and being able to grow in faith and um, really um, experience Jesus and his Holy Spirit throughout middle school and my high school years um, are, are truly foundational, I think, and, and putting me on the path that I was. In addition to the life experience I had with my sister, in addition to being raised in the faith, um, this was really something that was foundational to, to who I am today. Um, and then as I, um, you know, again, continued to work in a variety of settings, uh, whether that be a hospital, um, as I started out in my career um, working in the administrative C-suite um, of a hospital and being able to drive improvements in quality of care and, again, being partnered with leaders who inspired me to continue to make a difference. And then to think I had an opportunity to come to a health plan, um, a health insurance company to deploy some of the same quality improvement methodologies that I did in those settings to a health plan. People often don't think of a health insurance company as driving quality care. Um, and so this was really a new opportunity to work with our hospitals, our physician offices, of which we were reimbursing, to drive ongoing improvement for our membership, their patients. Um, so that really um, further expanded my scope of responsibility quickly. I have grown in the 16 years that I've been with this health plan um, to continue to influence quality improvement um, and now oversee all of the clinical operations of our health plan um, in working with our 1.6 million members to improve their health. 
as my responsibility grew in the health plan, the people with which I was interacting with also grew. So starting and building a team of 100 or so folks um, across a variety of disciplines that I already mentioned to now about 200 people. And thinking about the importance of meeting my people where they are in their work journey, in their personal journey, the importance of connecting with folks and understanding their need, understanding where they want to be included in things that perhaps they weren't, where there's opportunity for me to pour into other leaders to maintain perseverance and tenacity to keep going, to not give up, that there's a greater plan, um, has all been beyond rewarding as I've moved into this role. And so it has afforded me a chance to think about how I integrate my faith and as well as meet their needs, again, over my own, understanding where they're at in a particular moment. And in some cases, going deep into conversation about how I can support them. And I'm doing that through my belief in, in Christ and, and wanting to be like him um, as I pour into folks and as I disciple others um, in this quality improvement journey. So um, when you think about that, you know, what, you, know you always want to be careful in a work environment and then obviously careful with just relationships that you don't push mm-hmm. somebody too far or violate them. But at the same time, you want to bring up your faith. You want to mm-hmm. not just integrate your faith and work with principles, but actually share what you believe mm-hmm. and have it influence mm-hmm. others. So you talk about a time, you don't have to identify who the, who the person is, but mm-hmm. just what you did on your end to share your faith, to begin to disciple somebody or pre-disciple somebody, you might say, mm-hmm. uh, in their faith. So I think where the opportunity presents itself to share faith is amidst significant trial. I probably have used that opportunity to really understand what that person is going through and to really connect with them on a personal level. Um, and by the way, our titles were checked at the door. So it's not, um, I'm the boss and you're the subordinate. It is so opposite of that. In most cases, it's a, it's a challenge at work that surfaces itself and provides for an opportunity for real-time coaching mentoring, um, a chance to, to listen to, to what they're experiencing as we discuss a trial in particular, of which I am a firm believer that trials bring us closer to Jesus. And we need to think of that as an, as an opportunity to be stronger as humans and then subsequently stronger as leaders. And then how I can support that person and or how that person can even support me in working through it so that at the end, we both come out stronger leaders, stronger believers, 
and in turn can spread that optimism and desire for hope to the people on the front line of the work. Um, so that is what I think makes me um, think about how we're careful in that, but being self-aware enough to, as a marketplace multiplier, picking up on those opportunities and taking advantage and acting on them, not letting it slip by um, and going deeper in that moment. So it does, it, there's courage associated with that. There's a little perseverance, a little um, boldness required to go there. But when you do, oh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And they leave my office with a completely different perspective. And I'm stronger as a result. Yeah, that's wonderful. And that's a good example too of it improving the workplace. Yes. Uh, you know, not just being about your faith and mm-hmm. sharing your faith, but uh, it actually strengthens the people. Well, it's been great to hear a little bit about the, your philosophy and the way you think about it. Joined now by Pastor Ken Nash from Watermark Wesleyan Church. And Ken, we just heard from one of your lay people, but why don't you just start with your vision and heart behind the Marketplace Multiplier Movement? Around Watermark Wesleyan, we have a a saying that is, uh, find your holy disturbance. What is that thing that keeps you up at night uh, that you you wake up and you say, this is what I want to give my whole life to. Uh, for me, uh, it's evolved over time in 25 years of ministry. It's really evolved into realizing the place that bears the most fruit for the kingdom of God that I found in ministry has been when a lay person gets it. When a lay person realizes that their calling is just as significant as my calling as a preacher, my calling as a pastor, any clergy to, to, to take that divide between the clergy and laity and to just find ways to eliminate it and to see all of our callings as significant, the priesthood of all believers. And so that keeps me up at night. That is what I'm going after. And so one of the visions we have here at Watermark Wesleyan is 100% of our people involved in ministry to find their calling. And so I just, I love the fact that uh, Marketplace Multipliers is coming alive and uh, the work that you're doing, Jeff, and the work that Carrie, that we just heard from, and and obviously what um, Pastor Wayne is doing, this has just been a, a phenomenal gift to watch it rise up in the Wesleyan Church. So let's move to Carrie. I mean, I walk alongside Carrie uh, in this initiative and I'm just blown away by her passion, her heart, her capacity. What have you seen in her over the past couple of years? Yeah, when I first heard her testimony, uh, I just knew there's a person that is uh, clearly uh, who gets it, who has that call on their life and has embraced it and isn't running from it and isn't afraid of it and isn't falling for all the, the false lies of the world, but really understands that this world is about giving your life to what Jesus is doing and what he's calling you to. And uh, and she gets it. So she's right in the heart of Buffalo, as we heard, and um, the work that she's doing with the influence that she has in the marketplace um, I remember uh, the first time I heard the, her testimony, I, I just went up to her and I said, you know what I see when I, when I uh, hear you talk, you're Pastor Carrie. You have a congregation of people 
that I I'm telling you, it is bigger than anything I will ever have. I mean, you have so much influence and you could just see her start to beam. And uh, she's actually shared with me before that that is a moment for her that she started to say, I'm going to embrace that. And so personally, uh, as a um, clergy person, it's become very important to me to give that blessing to say, I see in you an anointing. I see you have a calling and I want to bless what you're doing. And, um, and she embraced it and ran with it. Talk to pastors on that. Cause, cause I could see some tension there. If I saw a high capacity person, uh, maybe I'd be intimidated to go talk to them and, and feel like I could give them blessing. And maybe I'd want to occupy all their time in the church because of the capacity. So what would you say to pastors who are really wrestling with releasing people into the marketplace? Uh, tremendous question, Jeff. Uh, it's the principle of, of tithing. It's the principle of giving. We, we you know, as, as clergy persons, we um, constantly tell our congregation, you can't outgive God. And so we tell people to give financially to the church. And, um, it, you know, man, why don't we start living that? That's what is happening here. When you find a layperson who has a calling and they can be used in the marketplace, not just in the church, if you can understand this is the giving God, I'm giving this person that you've given me a stewardship as a shepherd over this person to release them. Every time we give, you cannot give God. I found every time I, I empower and bless someone to not just get involved in ministry. And a lot of times I've seen high capacity people have much more influence in the marketplace than in the church. And I used to get upset about that, but then I started realizing uh, this isn't, it's never been about me. It's all, this has always been Jesus's ministry. He's the King. I'm, I'm just a, a servant joining in what God is doing. And so if he wants to use somebody out there, why wouldn't I embrace that? Because every time I've had that, the courage to say, uh, send them and, and not try to hoard them for my own ministry purpose in my local context. Every time I've found God to bring other people alongside and fill the gap, just like when you give, you can't outgive. God just replaces that financial financial need. Uh, I find the same way in ministry. Last thing, Ken, is as a pastor who's on the front edge of this and who's living this out and seeing fruit in someone like Carrie and others, what's the potential of this movement? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's endless. That's I wake up each day saying, what is going to happen today? I mean, I watched a guy uh, who just last year, he and I were going for a hike together and I started asking him about his holy disturbance. What, what, what do you love? And for him, it was cars. He loves car shows. He loves to work on cars. And he started uh, a ministry for us as he started realizing I can actually be used by God with my passion. And so he started a car show here uh, in, uh, in our parking lot. And it grew so much. He take he was taking all the proceeds from it and putting it and giving it to, and in some ways we're gonna. It sounds like the future is we're gonna build some kind of a um, a care facility to help um, single moms with cars and an auto mechanics kind of shop. And so all these guys are gathered together, and he's pooling all these resources. It was so large. We had the CDC called on us for having so many people gathered in our parking lot during COVID. I mean, and it happened just because I said, do your passion, live it out. And how can you use it for the glory of God? And it's being, you know, I, so I see that every day. I never would have come up with an idea like that. And so the movement is endless. Literally every day you can wake up and say, God, what are you going to surprise me with today? 
and the only and that only happens when you have the courage as a clergy person to get out of the way and to give the authority and the blessing God has given you to give that authority and blessing away to others. Um, life is only found when you give it away. That seems kind of Christian to me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketplace Multipliers podcast. For more information, go to marketplacemultipliers.com and be on the lookout for the upcoming Marketplace Multipliers book edited by Dave Brewer. Join us next time as we welcome Wafa Hanna, a medical doctor from Detroit, Michigan.